Now I want you to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. <clears throat> Sometimes I fear that we rush through Easter a little bit quickly. We had a wonderful time last week. Uh, we had many services. Uh, we had a total and counting last Wednesday night when we had communion of uh, 7,548 folks came on our campus for one of our services. And God blessed. There were people saved. There were people that have written us notes and have called and said that truly God showed up at Sagemont. And we're praying, God, don't leave. Stay with us because God has a plan for every one of our lives. But the thing that I fear is that people pass through very quickly. Easter, always. Great numbers attend. But the problem is that in the brief time that we have, a lot of people come and go to church and never hear what I'm fixing to talk about in the next few moments. I'm going to talk to you on a subject that is rapidly being filtered out of the church and the thoughts of the world, but is the imperative truth that we must understand if we're ever, ever, ever going to see the Lord in heaven. I've entitled the message, No Blood, No Salvation. I could have called it, Without the Shedding of Blood, There is Nothing. Amen. Nothing. I want to call your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I want to go to the 18th verse. Here is a fact that is true today. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Amen. Listen from the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians the Apostle Paul, the former murderer of Christians, chosen to write this book to a church in Corinth, he spoke the words that are in the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 8. Listen to these words. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I have preached unto you unto you, unless you have believed in vain. But I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now listen, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again, and the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, and then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of time. This is Apostle Paul writing to the church and pouring out his heart that they might understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. 
the price that was paid for their sin to be forgiven, the price they will pay to walk in newness of life. It was the desire of the Apostle Paul and all the biblical writers that people could come to know the truth in order that they could be set free. We know, there's no question about it, we live in a comfort generation. We live in a generation where we feel like that if we can't handle it, we have some drugs that'll help us get it through the crisis. We live in a day when we feel like it is wrong to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ even in the church. There are more people alive today in our world than ever in history that know not Jesus as their Savior and Lord. Our world is filled with billions of people that do not know the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse from every sin. They go about doing what they can, the best that they can. But can you imagine what it would be like in America or anywhere else it started for a civilization to come out of this hodgepodge that we're in and that civilization live according to the scripture given to us by our Lord and Savior. Think what it'd be like to turn the other cheek. Think what it'd be like, thou shalt not kill. Take the commandments. Take the teachings of Jesus. Think what would it be like when you could leave your house and not have to lock the door because people did not steal. You did not have to arm yourself to protect yourself from fellow people because you were protected by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you knew, you knew that you were in that kind of world. Well, that's a utopian world. Well, certainly it is. And one day we're going to get to heaven and we're going to live in a utopian world. But right now, we're in trouble. Dr. Ramsey Pollard was pastor, uh, followed one of the best known pastors of my lifetime, Dr. Robert G. Lee at the Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. It was the first church in Southern Baptist life to baptize 100 people in one year. Dr. Pollard followed. He wrote this, and I found in an old book, and listen to what he says. The curse of modern-day preaching is the, is the shameful lack of compassion. Too many preachers are calm expositors of truth rather than impassioned preachers of the gospel. We have allowed intellectual pride to stifle heart power but you know what? The Apostle Paul had both. He had intelligence, but he had a zeal to see people saved. He did not want people to come where he was and not hear that Jesus loved them. He wanted people to know the truth so truth could set them free. He had no desire to build a personal kingdom. He had a desire to bring people into the kingdom of God. But today... After having celebrated the three most important days of history, the crucifixion, the day after, and the resurrection, <clears throat> we have seen that this is what separates apart, us apart from everything else. No other religions have a living Savior. No other religions had anybody pay for their sin. But we have an opportunity to be that people if we choose to do so. We sing that song, what can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I uh, want to share some words to some old songs. We don't sing them as much as we used to. 
If you want to start singing this, I'm not going to try to sing, but I want to give you some words of some of the greatest songs ever written. William Cooper wrote the, these words, There's a fountain filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood, lose all their guilt and stains. The dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day, and there have I, though vile as he, washed all my sins away. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. To all the ransomed church of God are safe to sin no more. Ever since by faith I saw the stream flowing wound supply, redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. When this poor, lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sin, sing thy power to save. There's power in the blood. Can you handle this one? Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? That's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily his praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. Thirteen times in that song. One final one. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. How can for sin atone? Not of good that I have done. This is all my hope and peace. This is all my righteousness. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll overcome. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now by this I'll reach my home. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory, glory, this I sing. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. All my praise for this I bring. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The old rugged cross on a hill far away. Remember that one? To an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down and I'll cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it on dark Calvary. And that old rugged cross, stained with blood so divine, <clears throat> a wondrous beauty I see. For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died to pardon and sanctify me.
to the old rugged cross. Listen, I will ever be true. It's shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. Isn't it good to sing about the cross? Isn't it good to think about the cross? Isn't it good to know there's help for anyone that's under the sound of my voice right now? Isn't it good to know there is a cure that is not working good for some? It's working good for all. The blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. We must stop. We must ask our question. I challenge you to go home. I challenge you to go through the religious channels of the television. I challenge you to listen to the preaching of our generation. And I challenge you to find how many times you hear the word, the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin. It is not in the culture today. It is something that we can find it another way. That we, if we go to the cross, then we have to bury our brains and lose our intellectualism. You know what? Paul did both. He was as smart of a person as you'll ever meet in your life, but he was humbled by the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not in our, in our abilities to say it. It is, in, it is our responsibility to say it in any way we can and let people know that there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me tell you why the blood's so important. Now listen to me. God chose it to be that way. You say, well, I can't worship that kind of God. Oh, yes, you could. If you would quit trying to be God and let God be God. God sent his son to die on a cross in order that every one of us could be born again. Now, he chose to do that. And Jesus chose to lay down his life. And he could have called 10,000 angels. If there was to be another theology that you can get to Jesus by, other than the blood of Jesus, Jesus would have never gone to that cross. There would have been no reason for it, no purpose for it. But he laid his life down in order that everyone, the, the first time hearer of the gospel, the one that's trained in the seminary, could understand that the blood of Jesus is what we must have in order to be saved. Let me ask you a question, rhetorical. You think America's a Christian nation. Let me ask you another one. Do you think that we're more rapidly moving in that direction than ever before? I would challenge anyone that would, would say, yes, we are. I see just the opposite. I have lived in a generation when I played the little league ball to now, I've seen the changes. I've seen Houston change. I've seen the nation change. I've seen the churches change. I've seen people that say they're Christians change. I have seen gradually and now rapidly the world has come back into the church. And the church is wanting to be like the world when the Bible says come out from among them and be separate and to love them unconditionally. But to share with them, there is a name given above a name above all names that is given unto men whereby we can be saved. But you know what? God can never save a sinner until the sinner admits he's a sinner. And as long as the sinner believes that they are just a little step ahead of most people and a little smarter than most people and have a little more education than most people, there is no hope for that person. The Bible says, unless you come as a little child, you shall in no way enter the kingdom of God. 
I had the, pres the privilege just to speak to the two seven-year-olds, the twins, outside to share my, that's what, I was seven. It was a very special moment just for me because I can remember that very well. And it was by the grace that God saved me at seven. It's by grace you'll get saved at 70. There's no other name. There's no other way. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I saw on the news today that Americans are now $3.5 trillion in credit card debt. Some of us maybe need to quit fussing at the government and start looking at your own bank account. But it is a shame today is what's happening with the morals of this country, what is happening with the entertainment industry. Marriage is a mockery. Abortion is accepted. School shootings, business collapses, drug addiction, people trying to find some freedom, trying to get out of wherever they live and get with somewhere and borders and cross this and cross this. You know what? The border you want to cross says from, from, from death to life. That's the border you want to cross. And when you cross the border from death into life, you will come through at the cross. And the blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all your sin. And then wherever you go, God's going to go with you. And God, instead of you seeing what you can get out of where you go, you're going to be assigned to go and carry the gospel into wherever you go, and God will be glorified and people will be saved. But it'll be by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I can talk about the secular world, but let me just, uh, this may surprise some of you, but uh, let me talk about the church. I wonder how many of you believe that a church can survive for any extended length of time without preaching that the way of the cross leads home. Can the church survive preaching anything other than the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin? Can it survive? Well, I think this, it's self-explanatory. It cannot survive. And may I go one step further and tell you it is not surviving. We baptized less people last year than any year in my history in the ministry. With all that we have to work with. Why? Because we have too many religious people that just want to be religious and find a religion that they can enjoy on the weekend, but they have never given their heart to Jesus Christ. The reason that the Billy Graham funeral was so effective and the reason that people have come back and begin to think again is that the blood of Jesus is the, what the man preached for all of his life as millions came from one person. But what if everybody would share that the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin? What would happen in the world? Right. It would be revival, I promise you. It might even bring the trumpet sound and God come back. What about our Christian, quote, universities? Do you know the history of Yale and Harvard? Do you know the history of those great schools that are now totally liberal, totally cut off God? They were started by the churches. Yes, they did. And now we suffer and we are shocked because we want to see people come, but yet we don't want to share with them the truth of the gospel, that Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Preaching. Pray for us. Pray for we preachers. Pray that we not be deceivers. Pray that we not preach 
a gospel that is palatable to people and what they want to hear, but rather what they must hear in order that they be saved. There's not a survey you can show me of any church denomination that is growing. They're not there. We have done and we are fulfilling prophecies of the New Testament one by one, day by day. And it is now beginning to be a tsunami. I was listening to the news this week. For those of you watching from somewhere else, Harvey hit Houston. And we're still rebuilding from Harvey. And I heard this week that we now are in hurricane season again in Houston. You know what? I'm glad I know the one that put the stars in space. I know the one that can stop the winds. He can raise the dead. But I know this. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. You can't live good enough to be saved. You can, you can stop your life right now and live perfect the rest of your life, but you still got to pay for original sin. Like I told these children, none of them had to be, will be taught to do, do bad, no, nor were you. Your parents wasted no time in teaching you how to be bad. You came that way. I came that way. But the blood of Christ cleanses from all sin. You know, the Bible, when it gets on this subject, it gets so simple. That's one reason a lot of preachers don't want to preach it, because it's too simple. But it is very, very clear. John 3, 17. Well, well, first of all, let's go with 16. Are you ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, now I'm going to give you some help on the screen here. Let's go to the 17th verse. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believes on him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Pretty clear. We don't need the seminary professor to speak at this point, nor the pastor. It is pretty clear. Well, what does 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 say again? Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received, how that Christ died for sins, according to the Scripture. Here's what I'm trying to get over, and I'm moving quickly today. God says, I gave you my word. I wrote the book. All you do is follow the instructions. That's all you do. You just follow me. And if you don't know what to do, follow me. What would Jesus do? What would he do today? He'd do exactly what he did back then. Jesus, when you follow him, made his way to the cross. But he also rose from the grave. And so when we look at the scripture, we understand No blood, no salvation. In Hebrews 9, 22, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hear it. Those of you on television, hear it. Jesus loves you, but it's the way of the cross that leads home. Look, you know, for Jesus, it wasn't optional. He laid down his life. 
It, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't an option. And for the Father, it was essential. There was no other name given among men whereby we could be saved other than Jesus. That's it. And so the Father, that's the way he wanted to do it. That's the way he did it. And then he said, now whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. The human race can come up with a lot of ideas and a lot of suggestions and a lot of wrong interpretation of Scripture. The Bible says, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely. The Bible has said, for all have sinned and all can come to the cross. You are welcome. You don't have to be on Medicare or Medicaid. You, you don't have to have any, any prescription drugs. All you have to have is the blood of Jesus if you want your sins to be clean. <clears throat> Jesus shows us how much God loves us. God is sovereign. He makes his own decisions. But while we debate our theology among selves, there's a name, there's a word that's coming out of heaven, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Church, get back to the blood. Parents will let their children watch bloodshed six days a week, play games that are pitiful, and then, but don't you preachers say anything about the blood. It might scare my child. Oh, dear parent, wake up. Wake up. We need Jesus in our life. We need Jesus in our churches and in our families and in our city and in our state and in our nation and in our world. This may be shocking, and, I, I, and maybe argue, you might want to argue with me about that, which is fine. But I don't think Jesus wants us to remember him that he lived a sinless life. I don't think that's most important to him. I, I don't think that the most important thing is for us to know that he loves us. <clears throat> I don't think that his teachings are the most important thing. I think what he wants us to remember is the blood that was shed for us. The other falls into place if you get the blood right. But if you go everything else and forget the blood, you haven't gotten there. You can say all the nice things and say, I worship God, I believe God, I think everything. I read the Bible every day. But have you been washed in the blood? Have you really, really, really been born again? We sing a song, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left a crimson stain. But he washed it white as snow. The red blood of Jesus cleanses us from the crimson. It makes us as white as snow. God has a plan. God has a purpose for every single life. Jesus didn't suffer for himself. He suffered for us. When that stone was rolled away, the door of salvation was open to whosoever will to come. And whoever came, he said, he that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast him out. I don't care what your past is. I do not care what you have done, what you have thought about doing. God loves you. God wants you in his family. He wants to go with you when you go through the, the valley of the shadow of death, when you go to the doctor, when you go into a bankruptcy court, when you go into a courtroom, into a penitentiary, wherever happens in your life, 
God wants you to know that I am with you and I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you if, 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 and only if you come by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Today, many preachers, many pastors, and many people believe you can tiptoe around the blood of Jesus and never touch on it and people will know how to be saved. Now, that's just a fact, folks. I'm going to meet this week with 50 of our pastors of our largest churches. We're going to Washington. I'll have to leave as soon as this service is over. We'll be discussing this at length among ourselves. I will, I will say to you that I'm going to come back with what I think I, uh, what I feel right now, and that is we'll be in one accord. There's only one hope for America and the world, and it is Jesus Christ. Our race problems will be solved if we get right with Jesus. We won't have to worry about the NRA, like it or not like it. If we, Jesus is life. He is new. He wants your family to be happy. He wants your marriage he, to be what it ought to be. He wants you to be everything he's created you to be. But you can't throw the blood out. You can't teach young people and disciple people that are lost. You can't lead them to where they need to go until they have what it takes to get there. And that is a new life, a new birth, and old things pass away. And you throw the junk thinking of this world aside. We've tried everything we can think of, and it don't work. But I've never met the first person that told me, one day I realized I was a sinner. I asked Jesus into my life. I, I don't know what happened, but I felt like a 1,000 pounds was lifted off my back. And all I know is I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I ain't what I was. And now I've got purpose to life. I've seen people get saved at 75 years old and their whole life change. Whole life change. I mean, they were singing, preaching the gospel at their funerals and hadn't been saved three months. But they understood what a wonderful change in my life was wrought when Jesus came in to my heart. And by the way, when you get around the heart, you've got to talk about the blood again, even if you haven't been to medical school. But make no mistake about it. We got a problem. Not Houston. Humanity has a problem. We have chosen to push God away and let the world come running in. And when that happens, the power is gone. And when that happens, there is no hope. But our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And on Christ, the solid rock, we will stand. And all the other is sinking sand. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That's the scripture. 25 years ago, my good friend, Bailey Smith, wrote these words. A bloodless religion will never get you to heaven. A bloodless religion will never usher you into the presence of God. A bloodless religion can never settle your sin problem. But what can wash away your sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
Bailey preached in this pulpit a few weeks ago. 100 people came to know Christ that day. He's at MD Anderson today. We pray for him. But he's one of still, there's a lot of preachers that are still preaching the gospel. But the number is shrinking and the others are growing. And if we get away from the blood, folks, you can start listening for the trumpet. When there's no longer the gospel going out, that the blood of Jesus cleanses from sin, Jesus is coming again. He's not going to let you stay here. He's coming. He's coming. I know today there are people here that will disagree with some of the things I've said, certainly those on television. But Jesus didn't die to be a martyr. He wasn't a great religious leader that wanted to leave a good legacy and die on the cross. And he didn't die to be a good example. He died for one reason, and that is so you and I could be forgiven of our sin. That's it. That's it. And that's the reason the Bible says there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. You say, well, I just believe God is too good to send anybody to hell. He doesn't send you to hell. If you go to hell, you go because you received his invitation to be saved. He's got a pardon for you. You can say, keep your pardon. I'll live like I want to. No, no. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. The Bible says in due time, he'll exalt you. And when we stand at the gate, the question of the Father is going to be, what did you do with my son Jesus? Did you accept his gift of eternal life, or did you choose to walk away? Those that spend eternity separated from God in the place the Bible calls hell will do so because they chose to do so. Their choice, your choice, my choice. And so be assured, if there was any other way for us to get to heaven, God would have never sent Jesus. Don't you ever forget that. If there was any other way, he would not have done that. It was a last hope for us to be saved. So today, when you read Romans 5, 8, but God committed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So say it with me one more time. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. My final question to you is this. Do you know that there is a scripture in the Bible that God, that that can assure you that God has a place for you in heaven if you'll honor his invitation? If If you have a pen, write this somewhere that you take it home with you and look at it. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is heaven set at the feet of every man. Heaven, hell, take your choice, but you're invited. You're on the guest list. And, And you can clear security if you simply get washed in the blood of the Lamb.
In Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must, we must be saved. I read a story yesterday from my friend Steve Gaines. I'll see him today, God willing, in Washington. He told a story, it's real short. He said when he was young, he was scared of the dark. And he said they'd come home, and he just had a phobia of darkness. And he said it was practice at home that when he'd come home, his daddy would open the door to the dark house that they had left, and the daddy would go in and he'd flip the lights on. And then he'd turn and say, Steve, come on in now. Everything's okay. Come on in. And he said he'd come in and we'd shut the door. And he said everything was at peace. And he compared it. He said when Jesus came to this earth, he lived a sinless life so that he could die for our sins. Then he gave his life as an atoning sacrifice for God's children. Then he was buried. But three days later, Jesus walked out of the grave with the keys to death, hell, and the grave itself in his hand. And Jesus unlocked the door of eternity. He went into the grave, and he turned the lights on for you. And he's saying, come on in. Everything is fine. Jesus is the light of the world.